Hello and welcome to another episode of This AFL Life. I'm your host, Alison Smirnoff, and I'm joined by my co-hosts who are in different parts of this uh, land of ours. Um, Rachel Hibbert, where are Hello, you? Alison. I'm at uh, the, the Grove Shack, as it's affectionately known, down in Ocean Grove. Fantastic. And Susan Cadman, where are you? I have flung myself out of the state for a few days um, in the not very sunny uh, sunshine coast on the land of the Cabby Cabby people, I believe. That is very well researched, Caddy. I'm very impressed. Yes, I like to, when I travel places, just do a little bit of research about the land that I'm about to um insert myself into as a learning opportunity for myself in this week of uh, visibility, particularly for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Um, We are recording this on the 26th of January, which is Invasion Day. Um, So important to be mindful and take the time to educate ourselves and consider the impact of colonisation on the community. and the intergenerational trauma that exists uh, in Australia. So, yes, um, just wanted to make sure that I acknowledge that, particularly as we're recording on this day. So round three of AFLW just finished yesterday. Uh, Funnily enough, round four starts tomorrow. By the time this podcast comes out, we may actually even know the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the first few results of round four. But if we can quickly, positives and RFIs from round three, Hiba. I had a whole car ride to think about this and I had really well thought out ideas which have now vanished. A positive um, is a round of applause for the people in charge of AFLW fixturing. I we said at the start of the season, or I think someone, I think Al, you asked um, out of 10, how compromised will this season be? And we all agreed that it was a 13. Um, and come round three, Western Bulldogs have only played one match um, and the fixturing has changed every week. And I just wanted to give a shout out to the, the people at B. I know it would be really frustrating for the players and the coaches and the support staff about really not knowing whether they're playing this week realistically or, or what's happening next week. Um, but it must be quite difficult to, to navigate. So a bit of a positive that we managed to get an extra match in on Tuesday night with, with Carlton and um, Brisbane. Um, but then an RFI being that we're playing in the middle of a pandemic And there are so many other things I could say about scheduling, which have already been said, but that is my first initial overarching positive and RFI. Um, And I've got more, but come back to me. What about you, Caddy? Interesting take, Hiva. We'll see. Uh, We might delve into some of that later, but um, I have to say positive is there such thing as a good loss? Geelong, I thought were really, really impressive on Friday night. Their first three rounds, they haven't won yet, but they've sliced their losing margin by an incredible amount, I think, from an average of around 30 down to 10. 
and really took it to Collingwood um, on Friday night. And I just thought that my, I guess I was surprised. I think that they were playing beyond what I thought they might be able at this um, this season. So just wanted to say Geelong um, positive, Geelong, Geelong as a team, the way they played. Um, I know they haven't won, but I think it's all going in the right direction, which is so great to see. Um, Another positive is obviously the discussion, you know, pride rounds as a concept, loved it, can never have enough visibility, so much conversation, so much opportunity for players to uh, speak their truths, which I think is really important. Um, they're given that platform. Obviously it should be a 24 seven thing, but having that visibility on one week is really important. So really pleased that we had pride rounds. Um, and I mean, RFI, I just have to say, Michael Pryor, be mm. better. And I think we might talk about that more a bit later, but my goodness, um, Jesus. wasn't that an interesting moment for over the weekend? But um, Alison, what have you got? Um, positives. Also loved Pride Round. Um, loved seeing all the jumpers. It was really, really awesome. Um, positive also for me was St Kilda's first three quarters against... Melbourne. Um, I have to confess, I thought I thought this season was going to be a really dark, long season for the Saints, but they um, the pressure that they put on that, that first three quarters was just um, was really sensational footy. And if they can bring that intensity for the rest of the year, then they're gonna they're gonna win a few games. So that was really cool. Um, RFIs, yes, we're definitely going to talk about Michael Pryor. Um, I also want to just mention GWS not wearing their pride jumper in pride round. Um, They're apparently debuting it at their first home game in round four, which is this weekend, but it just didn't make sense to me. (laughs) Like, No. They do know they can wear a jumper more than once. Yeah. Um, I just Mm. thought that was disappointing. Um, Yeah. I don't know why have a pride round if you don't wear your jumper. (laughs) It did look really funny with North and GWS running out together under the Pride Inclusion banner with GWS not in a Pride jersey. And mm. they had the Giants um, training top with the um, Giants written across the front and they, they warmed up in that. But I'm throwing it onto the same bandwagon as West Coast, not wearing a jumper. Um, just disappointing for the players to be honest, because there's a lot of people on that team, I imagine, who'd love to be wearing a Pride jersey in Pride round, not first home game. Yeah. Um, and this isn't really an RFI. It's just a negative. Um, really sad to see um, Harriet Cordner get injured as well. Um, the Tigers are definitely on the upward tra- trajectory and it was just really like she's just going to put a massive hole in their, in their defence with her not being there and just... It's just sickening. It's so mm. sickening when you see a player go down clutching their knee and, yeah, so speedy recovery, Harriet. Yeah. I mean, why does it keep happening to such key integral players in teams? It's just, it's just, it's really, it's obviously devastating anytime someone does an ACL, but when you see these players that are, you know, they are this team, they're really, really like they're the key to this team and, 
I know Cordner, since she landed at Richmond, has been such an impressive um, leader and contributor. And this was the year really for her to get up and go. It's just, it's heartbreaking for yeah. a, not just the individual, but for a group to see that um, happen. Yeah. So, yeah, it is, really unfortunate. Yeah. So cruel. And so I think there has to be a correlation between um, time around the ball and ACLs snapped. Um, I think the, the key players see a lot of the ball and are in those contests and change direction lots because they're having super effects throughout the game. Because um, I, I was reflecting on that, Caddy. I was, I was really heartbroken to see H go down and I've sent her a few stupid videos throughout the week at um, random times to try and lift some spirits. Um, but, yeah, I think there has to be a correlation between disposals and ACL injuries. In saying that, my other positive that we don't have to unpack later on is that game between Richmond and Fremantle at Punt Road. Uh, Ebony Antonio was on fire. And I think it was the highest combined highest scoring that we've seen in the competition. Um, so it was a really entertaining game of football where there were lots of goals scored, which meant there was a little bit more time for break between between, between goals and for the teams to reset. Um, and just Richmond, oh, so good. So, so good. Fremantle, so impressive on the, on the road. Um, yeah, that's my positive. One more positive from the round was Danny Laidley tossing the coin before the North Melbourne GWS game. Um, North Melbourne, they're an an amazing club, the work that they do in the community, but just to be so inclusive um, of Danny Laidley, I just, I just absolutely, I just, I loved it. Loved everything about it. It was amazing. And to see her so involved in the club at the moment doing work with huddle and work with the AFLM and AFLW players is so, so warming. Just the acceptance that they've let let rip, essentially. They've just said, come one, come all. Um, yeah, that was so, so nice to see. And she looked great. She yeah. was dressed up with her handbag and everything, just as you should be if you're going to flip the coin, I think. Yeah, good, good one, Al. I agree wholeheartedly with that I think it was important for um, trans representation in a pride round too I think mm-hmm. that this mm-hmm. is potentially and I know I've been talking about this in our chat but love the pride round but it's still a very complicated space for the trans community yeah um, probably still yet to see a true commitment and change in the very complicated space of trans athletes participating in AFLW so that is just so big and it was just great. And I agree with you, Alison, that North are doing fantastic things um, that probably maybe just go under the radar a little bit, but love what they're doing down at North in this yeah. space. I, I had a look today at um, stats about uh, like team stats and the top four teams for disposals, who do you think they are at the moment, Alison? Top four teams for disposals. That is a very good question. Um, I feel like North Melbourne. Ting. Up there, yeah, number one. Tick. Um, Melbourne. Yes, they're in there at three. 
Uh, Frio. Crows and magpies. Oh, Collingwood. It's got to be Collingwood. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got North, Adelaide, Melbourne and Collingwood in the top four. And surprisingly, Carlton sit at fifth, highest disposals before Fremantle, before anyone else. That's what fifth means. Um, And I just wonder, like we spoke about Kes Harrington having 100% disposal efficiency. But that was kind of a one-off. So I wonder, it feels like, sorry, it feels like that might might have been a one-off. So they're obviously seeing a lot of the ball and getting to it, but then what they're doing with it probably isn't 100% efficiency. Um, So I'd like to see Carlton use the ball once they've got it, not cough it up or hit it to space, hit targets, Mm. hit targets. Yeah. Whether that's on the hands or the kicks, I think that's what is missing is that link up consistently, not just fluffing it into into thin air and hoping that someone from the midfield runs onto it and delivers it into the 50. Because I I kind of feel like they had a bit of an inexperienced team in last night as well, Um, you know, and and I'd like to use the excuse of the back line not being settled, you know, Gab Pound's been in and out, Wilson hasn't played this season, it's leaving a lot of work to... um, to Harrington and Laloifi, but look at all the other clubs that have had to deal with huge changes each week because of COVID. So yeah, I don't know. I just, they don't, they don't have any trouble getting the ball. They just got to tidy it up. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the inexperience is, is really key there, Al. I think um, I was listening to behind the game changes a couple of weeks ago with half and he was saying that, more than half of their list is between the eight, are between the ages of 18 and 26. Um, sorry, beg your pardon, 18 and 22. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and June is the only player in the team over 30. When you compare that to other teams and how much football they've got in their legs, I think that says a lot. But maybe it, it bodes well for Carlson going into the next few seasons with, with having... Um, a team that will be together for for hopefully a, a long time. I also want to add, I don't want to take anything away from Brisbane because they were brilliant having not played the week before. You know, Queensland hasn't had to deal with COVID really at all. So I imagine half the team coming or more than half the team coming down with COVID would be really, really effing stressful. <laughs> um but, mm. you know, Brisbane just continued to be a team that defies whatever the word is that I can't think of. Pandemics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gold Coast were hit by the pandemic last week as well. So it, it has hit the Queensland teams mm. well and truly. Caddy, I think you wanted to mention a special someone from from the Brisbane yeah, outfit. Uh- I was just going to say about Brisbane, perhaps with Brisbane, because they weren't their best in round one. The week off, dare I suggest, it gave them an opportunity to reset. I'm not sure because I think they were back to their best um, last night. I didn't get to watch the game, unfortunately, because of football uh, commitments. That's what happens when you put them on a Tuesday and a Thursday. I felt yeah. Um, but um, there, was a, there was a debut by a... a a um a young player Barquison um who 
has Papua New Guinean heritage, which is, I think, of significance. Obviously, there's a lot of players within the league who have um, various backgrounds, but I have an attachment to Papua New Guinea and know how huge it is to have uh, how it's big news in Papua New Guinea to have a female AFLW player making their debut, um, you know, hit front page of the the local paper. Um, And I think just really exciting because she's also just a player who's been, she's been through um, the system in Queensland. She's gone through all the pathways and the whole way through has been a very, very known uh, player and by the sounds of things and from the snippets I've seen, had a most excellent debut last night, just settled right in and and really did a great job. So I think it's just really nice to see. Um, uh, it's always just exciting with um, AFLW expands out beyond our little world in Australia and the visibility that having someone like that debuting would have in a small country like Papua New Guinea is exciting because any Thing that encourages young girls and women to play any sports, let alone AFL, is awesome. So I just think that um, I know that's gotten a lot of coverage over there and I think it's really exciting and just wanted to sort of make a special little shout out here on this pod today about that. She's also a player who's been at Brisbane since 2000, since 2020 and has, has done the really hard grind to get into the team because we know it's such a strong outfit with some stars in that lineup and and it maybe has taken a couple of injuries and a pandemic for her to be able to have that shot and to show her her skill set on the big stage so just a shout out to the players who are grinding 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 and who might not get game time um it'll come and I think she's she's one of those players who is the epitome of, of hard work and resilience and is going to be a genuine superstar, I think, from what we saw last night. Um, yeah. So oh, good nice. on her. Good on her. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, as we do every week, we've, um, we ask for listener questions and we've got some really, really good ones this week. Um, first cab off the rank on Twitter from Chris AFLWWOW. Actually, it's at Chris AFL Wow. Or is it at Chris AFLW Ow? Uh, well, exactly. It's maybe, maybe. Let Chris, us know, you Chris. Can, yeah, let us know. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Chris's question Should M. Pryor have said or done more? For me, there needed to be an acknowledgement that he has work to do in reflecting on himself and his values not just an apology for offending people. You can make such an apology without needing to think you've done the wrong thing. Um, when the news broke of his um, of Michael Pryor's quote, our group chat went absolutely apeshit. Um, <laughs> I still can't believe that he said what he said. And I know he was being asked in the context of being repeatedly asked about the pride jumper and he wanted to just talk about footy because he is the coach of a footy team. But to say that we've done the pride stuff to death just 
to me illustrates that he's not equipped to be coaching in the AFLW. I think it shows a real lack of understanding the environment and your team and players and the community and it is ignorant and whether it's an education piece and room to grow and develop for him, whether he looks at it like that or not, is up to him and is a personal thing. But I was offended for his players and for everyone involved in Pride Round. I just thought it was such a slap in the face, considering how much comfort the Pride Round has brought many people and how it has become a safe space and place to have that thrown out there completely derailed any sort of safety people may have felt I think um and a little bit of me is annoyed that we're giving him airtime but it does have to be spoken about to it and addressed I think um what did you think Caddy what was your initial Oh, Hiba, I have so many thoughts. So many I'm thoughts. Pop, pop myself on mute, will I? <laughs> no, I just, I just, um, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I just, I think that you should not be coaching an AFLW team if that is what your true feelings are. Firstly, I don't care how many times you get asked about Pride Round, you need to respond to them. Secondly, that wasn't an apology, saying, I'm sorry, you were offended doesn't actually count as an apology and had absolutely no insight into what actually the issue was. I think it's really appalling. I actually think it's, I think it's really a reflection of what happens when you give particularly, I'm going to, particularly male coaches who haven't had a lot of experience in women's football and have the understanding that many experienced coaches, whether they're male or female, have on an understanding of the importance of the LGBTIQ community in football for women and non-binary folk, um, that you actually not you're not the right fit for the job, in my opinion. Like I thought it was appalling, and the follow-up apology was even worse. It made it worse for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that plays. I imagine I don't have close connections at West Coast, but I think it would be very hard to play under a coach who had that response to such an important round. Um, Yeah, and I think that West Coast really need to have a think about whether they're reasoning around wanting to take time and focusing on an Indigenous jumper and stuff. I just think it all looks really, really shit. And that, yeah, I was really shocked that 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 conversation happened. and it would have been such a distraction for the team. And I'm not surprised that the result went the way it did, to be honest. Um, it must be tough. They're all in a hub in Melbourne, existing in this little vacuum. And they, you hear your coach speaking about something like that. And I think you just lose instant respect for them, I imagine. I'm like, I'm not speaking for them, but if that was me, that's how I would feel. So, yeah, really disappointing. Um, I think West Coast really need to have a real think about whether that, that particular coach is the right fit if that's the kind of attitude they have towards such an important part of AFLW and yeah I'll leave it at that I'm sure Mm. Al might want to chip in oh I just want to say that I think 
something that has perhaps been done to death and proved that it doesn't work is men with no experience in women's footy being parachuted into head coaching roles. That's been done to death and it needs to stop because if it doesn't, this is going to keep happening. Mm, amen. Go now. <laughs> more. More. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's not being anti-men at all. There's some amazing male coaches that have done really bloody Absolutely. hard yards Absolutely. in women's footy. and But they've actually, done the hard yards. Exactly. They've done the yards. Yeah. And they, they understand the space. They elevate women around them. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, you know, when you're just like, you're so, you're so angry about something that you actually have just run out of words to express the anger. Like I, I'm actually like on, on a level, I'm actually speechless. It was a bit numbing. I think it came to me from lots of different friends. They all sent it to me and they were like, you have to talk about this on the podcast. I was like, don't worry, we will. But it just, it was numbing to know that so many people had been affected by those comments. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, I just, I feel like there's heaps more I want to say, but I, I'm actually just like speechless. Mm. I think like this AFL life statement is we condemn Michael Pryor, Pryor's comments. Well, it's hard to disagree with that. I just think it's just so, just such a lack of understanding and awareness of the the privileged role he has mm-hmm. and the opportunity he has to affect change. Mm-hmm. And you're the head coach. You have to talk to the media. That's part of, that's part of the role. And if you get asked a million questions about the pride jumper, you have to answer them. <laughs> Definitely. And I think um, just to acknowledge all the other coaches who've been speaking about pride run, they've done an excellent job at yes. encouraging and responding to the questions. So it's possible. You can do it. Sorry. Um, and just on a lighter note, speaking of male coaches who have done fantastic things, I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter this week the little clip of um, the AFLW, the uh, sorry, the uh, Adelaide Crows AFLW coach um, Clark doing uh, had a bunch of so having good. a bunch of players in ISO with COVID or ISO arrangements. Um, him and his wife dressed up in some pretty wild outfits I think he was dressed as a bee or something like that I can't remember but a panda and um his wife was a bee or something and they stood outside these players houses and did a five minute dance routine um just to cheer him up and give him some light (laughs) I just think like that is just great and that just shows the culture that's at Crows and I know for a fact that there's such a great culture there the players love being there they're all in they love the team and I think if that that's what a that's what a coach does for their team that's that's it so yeah just to bring it up a bit I think yeah Mm, I also had to laugh because like Adelaide have been largely unaffected by COVID until very recently and if any of the Victorian coaches did the same thing. Oh my God, they'd be running around the whole state, um, clocking up frequent flyer points, I think, getting to all the players' houses. But it was so funny to see. And like choreographed, they choreographed that. It would have taken them like a fair amount. It was of time. so good. I loved it. it I watched so it four times. I thought it was great. 
We'll send it to you, Ali, if you haven't seen it. Oh, no, I've seen it. It was just the most bizarre thing that I'd ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, like, that's a coach who knows knows their players, right? Like, you know, Adelaide may have been less impacted by COVID than others, but they are being impacted right now. They are having to do periods of ice when it is impacting them and – the coach who knows their players knows like, hey, this is the most stupid thing I could possibly think of and I'll do this in public, in complete public place, <laughs> completely kind of humiliate myself for your benefit. And I think that is just like, that's a coach. I know it's a bit silly, but it's like, that's the coach that goes the extra mile, not the coach that says, I'm sick of talking about this, it's done to death. I, won't, mm. I just want to talk about footy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, next question. Oh. I reckon Kel sends one in every week, but Cairo 87. Love you, Kel. At what point will we ask players to play twice in one day? Because this is getting silly. (laughs) (laughs) I guess this goes back to my positive slash RFI, doesn't it? Just like there's this whole welfare question of um, we want the season to happen and we want to print, we want to award a premier and we will do whatever it takes to make you play. Not how do you feel about? <laughs> mm. Yes, you know, this is great because it does circle around to your positive um, that you brought up earlier. But yes, yeah, AFL is doing a fantastic job at trying to schedule these games in. But holy shit. Mm. <laughs> Imagine playing two games in a week or just over a week. In your recovery from playing in 35-degree heat, it's unbelievable. Um, to expect a higher level of, um, you know, football to be coming out if they're doing that to teams, I think is really tough. And, like, I know the AFL men went, M went through it last year or the year before when they sort of had, you know, that footy festival or whatever, but they have much bigger lists and they're full-time athletes. Yes. So that's the difference. So I'm a bit um, pessimistic about this sort of scheduling because I think it's just AFL going, oh, shit, we couldn't possibly have the AFLW season be extended and possibly interrupt the AFL and pre-season, you know. Um, instead, let's do this. And the player welfare is absolutely not front of mind. So if anything, this season is surely going to indicate that there needs to be bigger lists for clubs to help with the flexibility around these types of situations is probably the only answer, I think. But, yeah, I agree, Cal. It's silly. Because, <laughs> like, the Brisbane Lions have a four-day break after playing in the humidity and like, like you said, Caddy, like that's fine for the AFLM festival of footy, but like they're professional athletes and they can spend every minute of those four days recovering for the, for the next game. But Brisbane Lions AFLW players have to go to work. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just, it's absurd. The added complexity of Western Australia not opening the borders on the 5th of February has meant that these teams are in complete limbo and they've mm. had to reschedule the fixture further for Fremantle and West Coast to play as many games as they can on the East Coast before anyone 
goes back across the country. It's just, there are so many variables playing against the AFLW at the moment that it's just not the competition that it could be and is meant to be. It's just bubbling along in a wild, wild world. The other thing is like it's so hard to gauge where teams are at. The, the ladder's, um, it doesn't even matter. Like the ladder's um, not relevant anymore. Uh, and <laughs> week to week you can't pick your team and you're tipping because you have no idea who's recovering well from their game before, who's going to get dropped the morning of because of COVID health and safety <laughs> protocols. Like it's just an absolute, it's just like, Anything could happen on any day, I think, at the moment. And it's, I just think AFLW players are learning to live within that uncertainty is really tough. So for any of them on all of them to get through this season is going to be huge mm. and like such an achievement, I think. I think they need to increase the number of emergencies allowed to be listed. I know they've got you know, X amount of players to choose from. And like you said, extending the squad to a large number, whether that be um, as a full-time or quotations, full-time AFLW athlete or whether it's, you know, part-time train-ons or something like that. But just extending the emergency list so that they literally can fill the team. Because I think at the moment they only list two emergencies. Is that correct? And I've seen a change now on the... I guess, team announcements that they actually name the emergencies on all, all of the social media posts because they could definitely, possibly, maybe, perhaps be playing that week. So the, the name gets put on the team sheet, even if it's as an emergency. It's just madness. Um, next question off Instagram, Nick P Greek 28 Which female player do you think we'll see in this year's big freeze? That's very good question. I don't know. It was Daisy last year? It was Daisy. And Taylor, I think. Taylor Harris. I think that Darcy Vessio, surely. Yes, I was just going to say that. <laughs> surely, for all reasons we've already outlined on the pod. Yes. Oh. But, yes, Darcy also has a special talent for making costumes. Exactly. So pulled together a very nice costume. Yes. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bought one. They they would make it from scratch. Yes. Yes. Das would make something that would help them float, I think. <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, this is from Jesse Oso. Oh. Jesse. Friend of the pod. D's AFLW taking off where the AFLM left. Will another team win a flag in our lifetimes? He's wanting the AFLM AFLW double. That's right. what he's shooting for. Right. As a mad demon supporter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I you know what? Like they're on track at the moment, to be honest. They Demons, are. The way they put that foot down in that fourth quarter this round was so impressive. And Oof. seeing Taylor Harris really hit her stride, I yes. thought she was really stood out this game, which she hadn't quite done mm. yet. I mean, they're looking the goods and that yes. was, they're having ins and outs every week. So, mm. you know what, Jesse, you may still have your greatest wishes come true. Mm. <laughs> and dare I say their strongest team hasn't actually 
taken to the field yet. I mean, the last two weeks I haven't had Maddie Gay. Oh, but also that goal from Lauren Pierce was amazing. <laughs> so, do you know my? It was such a highlight for me. It was amazing because we all love LP. Yes. But the funniest thing was Eden Zanker's reaction. If you go back and watch that footage, Eden celebrates as if she had kicked the goal. <laughs> She's jumping up and down, fist pumping and like grabbing other people instead of Loz. Loz is just to her left. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so if you can see that, go and look at it. But Loz is just showing that um, like far out. She's such a dominating tapperer mm. out of the middle there. Really technical from me, but um, it was so great to see her hit the ground running quite literally. Mm. So good. I don't think we've really answered Jesse's question, but you know they have they they have to win it first. Um, but they are they are looking good. They're your tip, Al, aren't they? From the start of the season, they are. They are my tip. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, next question from Tash Phipps: Is there still room in the game for bigger-bodied, tall players? Or has the game adapted to favour more agile all-rounders? Um, I think the right kind of bigger body tall player, there's absolutely a place for them in the game. I've, I mean, there's all shapes and sizes like Eden Zanker we just spoke about. Perfect mm. example of a very, um, I would say, un, um, unusual shape for a in like a midfielder mm. um, or like the type, the body type. But um, I think that a tall, big body player can no longer just pop themselves at full forward and hope that the ball comes to them and they can count on a one-on-one and then kick a bag of goals. I think those days are definitely not, they're gone. Um, you've got to add something more to your game. You've got to be able to get down to pick up a football if it comes down off the ground um, and you've got to be quick. So I think there's a place for them, but maybe not in the more traditional sense. Yeah. I think we spoke either last week or the week before about the fact that we think that the small forwards really have an effect on the game in the forward line, particularly because it is such a fast-flowing contest um, and that they are, what, from what we've seen at the moment, are the, the best crummers are kicking really great goals um, and someone I can think of that GWS probably would have loved to have had this year um, but don't is Jessica Allen who was that tall um, strong body which, who they really could have they really could have utilized this year so I, I think there is still like you said a space on the field for someone with that skill set of being tall big strong, and skillful, but I also think that games are one when that is coupled with a super strong, short, nuggety jet like Kirsty Lamb or Tyler Hanks. Just two of many, many great examples. Next question from Scooby Snacks. Do you think players who wear long sleeve jumpers don't feel the heat or are they so dedicated to looking mint they're willing to die for fashion? Definitely column B, without a doubt. 
they've got their brand. They need to stick to the long sleeves. They've never played without them, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's what I think anyway. It's utter madness in the summer to be playing Stupid. with long sleeves unless you are susceptible to sunburn to the nth degree and no amount yeah. of sunscreen is going to help you. You're not helping yourself by having long polyester sleeves. Mm. There's, oh. there's no way you can design those long sleeves that's not going to impact the way, like, your body temperature. I just think it's ridiculous. It looks, like, ridiculous. It, fine. It, it's, they were designed for winter sport, for a winter sport. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, if they had, like, a really, really thin summer design that was sweat-wicking, and didn't chafe under your arms, maybe I'd consider it. But at the moment, I like the fact that I could put on some sunscreen and maybe get away from my opposition just that little bit easier thanks to the greasy <laughs> sunscreen, the slippery little sucker um, that I plan on being this season. <laughs> um, having said all that, I think... Emily Bates for Brisbane actually wears a long sleeve because she did have a skin cancer scare. So that is why she wears a long sleeve. But everyone else, that, it's, mm. what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's so fair. I think if it's a sun measure, yes. And I'm sorry if it's really uncomfortable because it looks damn hot mm. out there. This uh, final question from Anonymous. Is it true? Caddy. <laughs> why, are they, why are they always, why does Anonymous always? I don't know. Me? Is it true Caddy can only bench the barbell but says she can bench 100Ks? I've never said that I can bench 100Ks. Anonymous. <laughs> haven't been watching in the gym, Caddy. Is that because you only have been benching the, the barbell? Oh, I'll tell you what, I could definitely bench more than most of the uh, gym's uh, attendees that I've seen at training with the um, five kilo weights that are used. Um, no, I never made any statement. And this is just false advertising now. I've never stated that I can um, bench press 100 kilos anonymous, but I know that I can definitely bench press more than you if that's what you're asking anonymous. I think you could bench press anonymous. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> um, so this isn't really a question, but I just want to, when I put the, the call out on Twitter today for, for questions and would you rathers, um, our very, very good friend of the pod, Sam Lane, responded with two words, <laughs> Scooby snacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. So maybe, the meeting, happen maybe the meeting will still be on. We'll, uh, we'll keep you posted. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. Yeah. So let's have some beers at the pub with Scooby Snacks in Sam Lane. Definitely. Um, Hiba, do you know what time it is? I think so. I think it's time for... Would you rather? Okay. This is from Tash Phipps. Phipps, mm-hmm. on it today. Yeah. Would you rather wear the Mason Cox goggles every game or... <laughs> Have a Mason Cox poster above your bed for the rest of your life. I just don't know how you're playing the goggles. Like, surely they fog up. I understand why he's got them. I do understand because 
uh, injuries are very scary. But I'm going on the poster. Why not? It's nice to have a bit, decoration, a bit of decoration in my room. I've got nothing on my ceiling currently. May as well fill it up. <laughs> I agree. I think I would pref- I would rather have a poster of Mason Cox on my roof that doesn't come down. Have I ever told you about the time I had too many beers after the prelim final and sent Mason Cox? Um, I slid into his DMs. <laughs> I think you have <laughs> told me this story, but I think we need it on the record for sure. Lord, give me strength. Um, yes, I... Gabby and I went uh, diehard AFLM Collingwood fans and went to the 2018 prelim final. In fact, I went with um, our friend Scooby Snacks. <laughs> we sat front row, front damn row of the MCG and watched Collingwood obliterate Richmond. And after that haul from Mason Cox, the game of his life, I had a few rosé and slid into his DMs asking if he needs a date to the Brownlow. <laughs> he saw it. <laughs> he never replied. <laughs> oh, dear. And now I've learned that you can unsend messages on Instagram, which probably should have <laughs> happened, but it hasn't. And it's still sitting there in my DMs way, 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 way back um, years ago. But anyway, I'd rather have a poster of Mason Cox than wear those goggles. What would you rather, Al? Well, considering that football, playing football doesn't feature heavily in my life anymore, I might just say I'd wear the goggles. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. What about running in the goggles, Al? Being the team runner in the goggles. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. All right. Happy with that. Okay. I definitely don't want a poster above my bed for the rest of my life. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Um, And the last would you rather, again, our pal, Scooby Snacks, would you rather be jacked and have average skills or have amazing skills but have linguini arms? I think in every element of my life, I would rather have linguini arms and be really skilled at whatever it may be that I choose to use those skills for. Because I've seen some pretty jacked people and it looks uncomfortable. I think I'll take the linguini arms too. Give me spaghetti, little spaghetti arms. Oh, yeah, I want amazing skills. Yeah. Mm. Well, that is that's about it for <laughs> this AFL Life for this week. Uh, just another little reminder: we have a tipping competition on the AFLW app. It is a lot of fun. You should definitely join. Just search for this AFL Life in the public comps. Um, not going to go through. The results because the fix is changing so much. Um, but thank you, Caddy, for taking a little break from your holiday. My pleasure. And you too, Hiba. Pleasure, Al. Always. And we will reconvene next week. Bye. See you later. Yeah.